0: Why do you have to submit? Why do you have to serve your wife? It's because it's foolishness because it's, I mean, marriage is the gospel. You know, it is a picture of the gospel and mm-hmm. it is foolishness to a lot. And if God chooses to open their eyes, they will see.
1: All right. Welcome to the blacktop <laughs> Top pulpit and Secret Women's Stuff crossover episode. I am Andrew. I'm pastor of the Church of Sunsides here with one of our church members, Ken Duffy, and our wives, who, who are also church members here, and my wife Katie and Ken's wife Kathy. And uh, the reason we're doing the crossover episode is because uh, our, our material kind of lined up. I'm talking about the sermon this morning, and uh, what, chapter two in the book you guys are, are looking mm-hmm. at? Cool. Mm-hmm. cool. Well, what you guys think of the sermon now that we're ready for this conversation? This, this is round two of us recording this uh, because, well, it's because I'm Twitter-paging. Yes.
2: <laughs>
3: because I spoke uncensored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's because we're censoring our own stuff. So.
2: Um, I liked when you said that uh, when you were talking about how we're not our own and we belong to God for His glory. Um, and it's just uh our culture is so selfish and um it's all about me and my glory and what i can do and what i can get and all that stuff and it's it's
0: not us it's about god
1: um, yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's when you were talking about um we yeah, this uh, along lines of the, the selfishness thing in the book that we were reading it went back into genesis and it was talking about um like the breakdown of relationship, like why did Adam and Eve cover themselves after um, they sin? Was it because why were they ashamed if they didn't even know what shame was? And um, he goes into talking about uh, that Adam was felt shame. One of the reasons he felt shame was because he watched Eve choose herself. So now he is feeling vulnerable because she made that first selfish choice where she decided that she is going to live herself now instead of, god and i thought that was um that was interesting as far as the whole when you're looking at marriage and your relationship with god well we don't choose we don't choose that we do choose us all the time Mm -hmm. and then he chooses to have that unconditional um love for us so i don't know you can kind of see mm that
1: yeah well it's amazing how god created human relationships to be a picture of of his relationship to his creation, mm-hmm. uh, to his people. Uh, we don't have rights over our own bodies um, because God created them for himself, for his glory. And to paint a picture of that, he creates the marriage relationship, Adam and Eve, uh, where Adam doesn't own the rights to his own body. Instead, Eve owns the rights to his body, and uh, and Eve doesn't own the rights to her own body. Instead, Adam owns the rights to her body in the marriage covenant relationship. But that's, that's not not some statement about, about ownership or property, right? That misdefinition of marriage. Um, but it is a picture of the fact that God owns us. Like we really don't have any rights. Yeah. He has all rights over us.
2: Yeah. He literally bought us with his blood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it, marriage is that picture and display of that covenant to the world. And so it's really important that we take it seriously,
3: which a lot of people
2: don't. I would take it very seriously. Yes. I didn't say be serious all the time. Huh. I just said take it Well, serious. that's good.
3: That was funny. When I was working through it, like at first I was like, okay, this is confusing a little bit because Paul uses the one flesh um, reference when talking about like join, a man joining to a prostitute. It's like, and then it's in a way that's, not supposed to be joined. So it's supposed to be separated. And it's like, well, one flesh is supposed to be not separated. So if you join, if you're united in one, like, you, you, you know, at a surface level have this idea of, well, this is kind of confusing. And then I I was thinking through it a little bit I scratched up. I'm like, this is not confusing. This, is, this, is, this makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And it really, like, brings in, like, the the, the dying to self um realization of what it is to come to Christ. Like you're dead, like you die with Christ and then you're raised with Christ. And, and like the, the, the the unity, whatever, you know, whether it's sexual mortality or, you know, the, the context of this passage of just the abundance of sins that would rule over us. Um, We are married and, and we need, we need to like be divorced or die to, uh, the marriage, the union with sin that enslaved us and to and to be unified and married to Christ, which is inseparable, which then marriage in a fleshly way is reflected, reflecting that relationship, that reality right. of what Christ is to us.
0: That was another thing. The book got at some point at some point was, um, well, when you say dying to yourself, the world, um, doesn't understand that. Like the, for those who are, uh, unbelievers it says that it is foolishness right mm-hmm. all of this is foolishness and they don't understand their eyes won't be opened until God decides to open their eyes and call them and it's the same way with um, with marriage like mm-hmm. I, I keep hitting on marriage a lot because that's the book but there that's why a lot of the world doesn't they look at Christian uh, marriages and they don't why why' do you we don't get it? Submit? why do you have to submit why do you have to serve your wife it's because it's foolishness because it's I mean, marriage is the gospel, you know, it is a picture of the gospel and mm-hmm. it is foolishness to a lot. And if God chooses to open their eyes, they will see why yeah. they will understand and it will become beautiful. Like, so I was talking to one of my friends about submission and she stopped me. She's like right on about all this God stuff, you know, and, and then when I talk about submission, she's like, explain this submission thing because
1: but you that's know, the most basic. Mm. Yeah. And it's not only. Submission of a wife to her husband. Like there is that because the husband represents Christ. But then there's also this husbandly, um, if I can use the term submission to the desires of his wife, because his wife also owns his body. Like in first Corinthians, Paul's going to get at that in first Corinthians later. um, So we'll hit it in the exposition of the text, but it's just, it's this mutual thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, the husband represents Christ in the relationship which is the sacrificial part of the relationship and the wife represents the church like the the beautiful one that mm-hmm. Christ raises up and is like you are the apple of my eye like this that's just a wonderful relationship and a wonderful picture
0: it is and that's what I was trying to explain to her is like it's not this this scary word or this it's sometimes hard to mm-hmm. do you yeah. know obviously but it's not it's it's freeing i think we talked about that in one of our our uh, podcast it's it's fun it's it feels good to submit and have that to your headship when it is done biblically and it is yeah. well um,
3: difficult problem with submission is when the only one party's doing it right so when yeah. that particularly happens in unequally yoked marriages mm-hmm. but it also happens in christian marriages unfortunately and and yeah. and i i don't know can, can we can i throw men under the bus i mean we're, we're typically the the violators of, of of you know being faithfully submissive as far as servant leadership in the home. Right. Um we we by nature want to dominate over our wives because that's what the fall did to us. Um and, and as men we have to we have to rule over that sin of wanting to dominate and, and then and then lead by loving and and and, and treasuring yeah. the, the gifts of our wives that are, that well, God has given us as helpmates.
1: Yeah well a proper definition of masculinity. Now I haven't worked out like my definition of masculinity, to its extent, yet. Yeah. But I am, I am confident that biblical masculinity means meek gravitas, right? So a meekness yet a sternness within a servanthood at the same time. And uh, such that even like we're talking about the text from today, even if somebody reviles you, right. That there's, I'm I'm enough of a man. I'm secure enough um, that that doesn't have to impact me. Like it impacts people of the world, people of the flesh. I don't have to revile in return. Right. So I I think that is related to the passage at hand, um, especially since Paul was talking about effeminacy and all that in the, in the previous pericope, but it's a, It really is interesting to think about what exactly masculinity is, especially since we were raised in a society that didn't give masculinity any thought or any attention, you know? I certainly didn't have a father to teach me. So there's that a lot of guys out there without a father to teach them what it means to to be masculine.
3: Right. Can I bring up the, uh, the, the 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 overarching um, it seems to be it seems to be a common phrase today, and you mentioned it. What if the what if sin doesn't hurt other people? It's like it's like that's such a problem. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. It. And yeah, and then I'm I'm coupling this with what what Paul says, which is all things are lawful for me. We we're joking about this just a little bit ago, <laughs> and and I you know. I I have I, I I separate things more more so because my memory you know lead, leans me this way because I forget things I read the week before oftentimes. so when I when I read a, a, another section of, of passages well all, all things are lawful for me you know I forget what he's talking about like in like the, the 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 substance of the conversation it's like holy cow how do you bring up all these things now I liked um and 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 it was it was very eye-opening to look at the the idea of all like things being uh, permissible for me in the context of all things being created for God and his glory and Mm -hmm. and having the substance, the root of, of these things are good and God honoring, but can be distorted. But it's like, what do you do with with people who would look at this and say, well, this is, and this is, I think there's, I don't remember the, the, the name of the, the bent of theology with like unhinging the old covenant, but this is separation from the law. Like this is this is just like there are no male no female. Like this is all things are lawful. We are no longer bound um, un- by the law of God. You know, it is it is old. It is passing away, as the author of Hebrews would say. You know, it's like it's like now we live in this time where we're, we're we're not bound by the law of God. And then you get into the whole conversation of you know Reconstructionism and stuff like that. But just generally speaking. Um, this speaks to the law of God, the eternal law of God, and how uh, the old covenant um, keep forgetting you're careful. I like it though. First the, covenant. The first covenant. First and second um, covenants. Yeah. Um, doesn't pass away, as Jesus says. Well, know, not not a jot or tittle. Not,
1: yeah, not a jot or tittle. I love yeah. the King James language. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, no, not not first and second covenant because there were more covenants made through the Bible than that. Yeah, the first and second testament. Testaments. Yeah. That's that's right. so important for us to, uh, to realize that um, we are not unhitched from the Old Testament. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't classify all these things as sins, right? He does clearly classify them as sins in the, the previous point. passage, yeah. right? Why is it a sin? Um, so I, if, if somebody somebody unhitches from the Old Testament, he also becomes unhinged. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. uh, there's no... There's no hinge. <laughs> you only have one side. Right. So nothing connecting it to. You the, pulled the, the pin, pin out. You pulled the pin <laughs> out. All right. I think we drew that out. Far enough. That's, uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, it is true, and that's why that's why I clarify and uh, come up with little alliterations. Your dad's my inspiration for my alliterations, mm-hmm. by the way. Alliterate uh, all the things. Yeah, all the things. <laughs> uh, uh, liberty is not license. Yeah. You know, you just mm-hmm. put it put it in a way simple like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: dust again. Throw something at me. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, don't touch Grogu. All right? For our listeners, we have a little plush Grogu sitting here in front of us. So.
2: And if you don't know who Grogu is, sorry about you. Sorry about you.
1: You need to watch more Mandalorian. <laughs> Unless you're uh, one of those who boycott Disney. So, I don't know. We'll honor your convictions. I don't agree with them. No, <laughs> uh, all, all the other all reform guys who love star wars boycotting disney and then yep. disney
3: by star wars mm. what do we do now <laughs> <laughs> right. right oh man well another thing he got on was uh, another famous misconception is sin is sin um the mantra goes you know like all sins the same and, oh, and yeah. there's there's such a, a misunderstanding that uh, that goes around in the church most primarily. And, you know, like like what was brought up in this passage, not all sin is sin. is not all the same. Um, all sin equally condemns. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to talk about the equality of sin, but it doesn't view all sin as the same. Yeah. All, all sin equally separates us from God
1: relationally. Yeah. But not all sin is equal. Yeah. Right. Um, If God is just, he recognizes the difference between murder and theft. He recognizes the difference between uh, genocide and merely speaking a bad word about someone. He, He is just, he notices the differences. And, uh, Punishment fits the crime. The wages of sin are death. If sin earns a wage, those are fair wages paid. Um, and there will be varying degrees of wages paid to different people depending on depending on the sin, if they are in hell. Now, if someone is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's by grace. That's salvation, right? Uh, so that's by grace, not by, not by works. You don't earn that. But if you're in sin, apart from Christ, uh, you will pay the just penalty for your sin. Mm. You won't get away with it. You know, we're either justified by Christ or where justice will be exercised against us according to the degree of our own sin.
2: They're talking him out of it. <laughs> Pulling him oh, aside. And hey,
1: can we make a deal? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you think you can buy a and he
3: owns everything. <laughs> this letter is particularly perplexing. Like, of all the things that we deal with in the churches, like, Paul Paul's, like, dealing with prostitution in the church. Well, in prostitution here,
1: it's an illustration for people marrying their immorality, yeah. right? So the the prostitute is the personification of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, and it could be a literal prostitute, mm-hmm. but in the letter, it's a personification, right? right? And that's that applies to way more people than just people in the church who are out there getting prostitutes. Like this applies right. to people who who are just lusting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: I, I wrote that down when it, when you, when we were talking about the two will become one flesh. Um, I don't know if they totally go together. It just came to my mind. It's like when you're talking about marriage and the two will become one flesh, I couldn't help but think in biblical Christian marriages um, when there is a divorce that is chosen, that that is you marrying your sin. Like mm-hmm. you're choosing, it's like Eve choosing to, to sin and eat the tree. Like, it's in the Bible about divorce, and when you choose to do that, knowing that that you shouldn't, right. it's you marrying your sin in that way. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to stay with your spouse and work through it, you are choosing Christ. That you are marrying Christ.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there is no problem in marriage that cannot be overcome in Christ. Mm-hmm. None. Even the worst adultery can be overcome in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, with repentance. And love, First Corinthians 13, the definition of love, no longer calling to mind the mm-hmm. things that we're done again. Like not, not even calling it to mind anymore. Um, right.
2: Yeah. yeah. The abundance of well, and that's kind of like what the book was talking about, too, was that marriage is a covenant between you and God, all, or you and your spouse, but also with God. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, it, staying married is about keeping that covenant.
1: And reality is, if we're following Jesus, then it's not like this, oh, I just got to stay married. Yeah. Mm. No, marriage is a joy yeah. and sacrifice is a joy because Christ teaches us to deny ourselves. Um, you know, I hear, especially on television, like television, so stereotypical marriage in television shows. <laughs> after some time goes by, people start noticing that people you're not who I thought you were before we got married. You've, mm-hmm. you've changed. You, you know? and, and their first thought is, we need to annul this or get a divorce or separate. And it's like, no, if we're both pursuing Christ, then we're not, we're not if you grow toward each other, you butt heads, mm-hmm. okay? If you grow toward Christ, you walk side by side. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important to know. You can't have a successful marriage without Christ. And the reason I think the divorce rate is so high among professing Christians is that they don't know Christ,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that they, you know, at least they're not walking with Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and if that's, if that's a habit, and they're living in sin. Then the indication is they don't actually know Christ. <clears throat> a lot of evangelicals yeah. uh, are I'm, I'm going to be separated from Christ forever. Yeah. Um, and their marriage is, is the picture of that. Uh, you know, some people have marriage problems and they're in Christ. I don't understand that, but it's like, do not understand that your marriage is going to look like your relationship with Christ if you can't get along with your spouse? Right. You're probably not following Christ.
0: That was that was in this book, too. When um, What book John, is it? The Momentary Marriage. Momentary. This Momentary Yeah, marriage, right. by oh. Piper. Yeah, by Piper. So I, he was saying, I think we talked about this last week, it's like, if you are... Um, if you want a healthy marriage, you like look at your relationship with Christ and that is mm-hmm. what you want your marriage to look like is mm-hmm. like your relationship with Christ as far as um what is important and mm-hmm.
2: commitment
0: and things like that. So that is what you should pursue is a um, marriage that looks like your relationship with Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. Which means Christ needs to be your first pursuit. Your marriage isn't first pursuit. Right? Christ is. Right? And so if you're using marriage as an excuse to stay out of the church away from away <laughs> right from the body of believers, your marriage is actually going to suffer as a result of that. Right. Um, if, if you want to live a good life, the best thing you can do is plug into a body of believers and prioritize that time. Um, mm-hmm. people, people, church is the first thing people sacrifice, but it's the best thing for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And you can think you're the, you're the best person on earth, but if you're not part of a body, part of the local body of believers, you, you're you going to have a tough time. But if, but if you're part of a church family, um, you're actually being equipped to live all of life better, to handle the difficulties of life better. Mm-hmm. Difficulties of life will always be there, but you'll handle it much better. Right? Well, the, <laughs> you know? I feel
0: like you'll handle them much better. But then you also have a community that's like, yeah, a, that mm-hmm. is created to help you through those. Mm-hmm. You have your family, your members, if you will. To yeah. when yeah. you don't have that, which me and you have both felt that in our marriage at one point or another, it's like floating around in an abyss, you know, you have, you've got, who do, who do you go to, to, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to get that support or that? Yeah.
3: Which is one of the reasons to be transparent with, uh, not, not just general by not hiding things about your life, but with, with your church, like mm-hmm. if they know your struggles and they know your sins and they know, um, where you need to be strengthened and encouraged and, and mm-hmm. like, like helping, other marriages in the covenant community is essential. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about like, like persevering in marriage, you need the body. And if you're hiding your sin, you're hiding uh, your struggles. One of the, you talk about John Piper. I, I have learned um, one of the reasons I, I talk, I have, I'm an open book now because if, if someone asked me about my life, mm-hmm. like I learned from him, it's like my role model in the area of marriage, because because he, he is encouraging in a way that is transparent. Like usually, especially with a renowned pastor like John Piper, you know, like can't be imperfect, you know, because <laughs> pastors are just these holy people. And like he talks about the brokenness of his life and his marriage and the, the, the deep rivets they get into over yeah. the years. And and like I see that, I'm like, man, and, and I've reflected that. And I, I have likewise, you know, modeled him and helped so many people because so many people think, that marriage is just this blissful, like like if you do it right, you know it's wonderful and 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 everything's good and hunky dory. It's like you talk about like the, the really difficult, the sanctifying purposes that God has in marriage, and and you don't just use analogies and an innuendo and be all like. Oh, I'll you mean you mean windows like, like microwaves and ovens? Like microwaves and ovens. Yeah, you should have just like, said Sorry that. about I that. Just, I should have been much, much clearer. I should have been oh, realer. You talk about fighting <laughs> over sex, you know? Like why are not you why are what what's happening here, you know? Why did these problems come up, you know? I think people or, I think not or too much. Yeah, <laughs> and I think not being open
0: like that what gives people more? gives people like This uh, perspective that marriages are perfect and if mine's not then why even you know because they think oh mine's not like everybody else's so there's something big and wrong I will never speak about being open and and I can one of the first very first times we were here a couple weeks into us coming to uh, this church we were fighting about something I don't even know what it was probably on the way here because we were both both grumpy when we got here (laughs) And
1: Gail, you, Andrew. We were we were standing. <laughs> oh,
0: so we were standing in line to get food, and Gail walks right up to the both of us and says, What's wrong? Are you two okay? And we were both like
3: Totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't we're not supposed to. No, I don't Wait think we said totally
0: fine. I think we just said like we'll be fine or something. But to me, it was like in all of my church history going, and I grew up in the church and yeah. stuff, nobody has ever said like Everybody knows when you're grumpy, or like if you're fighting, they can just tell, right? Yeah. And she was the first person that has ever like saw something and wasn't like pull you aside. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, no, you get his. What's wrong with you? Too? You yeah. don't yeah. see me yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, to me, that was like, oh, I don't even care that you asked me that in front of this whole people. Goes, no, I'm not right okay. Here. I'm mad at this one because you know, it's like, and it's yeah. it's refreshing. It's it's yeah. encouraging. It's to know that people can. Notice you
1: for one, mm-hmm. and aren't afraid to ask you and, right. and help you. Yeah. yeah we need the, uh, a note on um, the marriage relationship and why people get married. Uh, like people are quick to create problems if they're not happy or their expectations mm-hmm. aren't being met, and that again goes right back to what this passage in First Corinthians is about. Like you, you don't actually own yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't actually have the right to. Pursue your own <laughs> happiness by a relationship, because that—that means you're taking advantage of somebody else. You're using them for your own happiness. Um, no, uh, Christ demands we deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Him. And there's a joy that comes along with that. I can't, I can't explain it. Like I'm happier doing that than just pursuing my own happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a liberty that comes with that. Uh, a weight, a weight off. Um, Christ's yoke is easy; His burden is light. That whole idea. Um, but it's, no, you're, you're called marriage is a calling. It's a calling. That's not for everyone in our current age. We'll get there mm-hmm. in the first Corinthians too. I, and not two, but seven. As <laughs> well. T-O-O <laughs> as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Go backwards. Yeah. Two steps back. All right. Um, but it's, it's this, no, uh, you, you, You are pursuing your own desires, your own expectations, your own preferences, uh, trying to make sure that people recognize your personal orientation, the way you've identified yourself. All that falls into this conversation, right? And all that leads to is frustration because it's me... Over God, rather than God over me, if we want to put it in some kind of formulation, right? And that's what sin is. That's just, that's just what sin is. That's why, that's why what is immoral is immoral, because it's me putting me over God. That's really what it comes down to. And you can weigh all of life in that, like, if I'm doing this for me instead of God, that's sin. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. You just mark something mark out. What you work out? Just curious. I gotta fill the silence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> One thing that I, I think is really important is when you do talk about um, sexuality in a godly way and how that looks in a marriage relationship, especially in church, because a lot of churches don't talk about it, and a lot of people that grow up in churches that don't talk about it have lots of issues with that. Because they don't they didn't learn like what that looks like in a godly um, context. you know I have several friends that grew up in churches where it was taught um, sex is evil. Mm. And so we don't talk about mm. it and we don't do. It. and it's like, okay, teach them what it means like in a godly mm-hmm. way, you know.
3: Purity culture. <laughs> it's so, not just purity culture. in the Catholic Church.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, purity culture, the whole... And this was... I went to a public school, a uh, very conservative public school... Uh, redneck public school Elgin, Uh-oh. Oklahoma When I was in public school All the guys had shotguns in their trucks And it was perfectly fine Guess what? Uh-huh. Nobody got shot <laughs> That's because we all t- took our guns to school <laughs> all right. And we all carried our pocket Big old pocket knives right there Nice you know? all right. So that's Elgin, Oklahoma Howdy. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Purity culture Lady comes in does the whole mixing glass thing? You know this illustration, right? Does the whole mixing mm. glass thing, and the water turns mucky. It's like this is what your life looks like if you have more than one sex partner in your life. Make a purity pledge today. You know that mm. sort of thing. Signing the papers, purity pledge. Guess what? In youth group, it happened too. Purity pledge, going to sign the paper. I'm going to be pure my whole life. You know how many people mm. stay pure? Mm. No. You look. You tell people. Don't do this. You're dogmatic about it. You don't talk about it other than that because it's too awkward. Uh, You raise your children just saying, Nope, no sex,
3: (laughs) no dating, not till you're 35.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's going to happen?
3: You're going to have sex.
0: Before the 35. (laughs) Before the 35,
1: yes. (laughs) No, um, when God gives a good gift, we we celebrate that. In, In Christian households, we. We celebrate that. And the church dropped the ball on this in the previous generation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't celebrate human sexuality. Um, They didn't celebrate ovens and microwaves. (laughs) (laughs) And our our generation paid the price for that um, because there are now young ladies who grew up in church getting married have no idea what's going on. And men too, like no idea what's going on because of purity culture. It's like if we explain what sex is and why it is good, like if people know why, mm. less likely to abuse that, right? It's, it's like like alcohol, right? Teach children the whys, um, what this is, God gave this, Um but then also say this is why we don't abuse this. don't just say never. yeah you know mm-hmm. otherwise
3: it's going to be abused. And, yeah and you know like what, happened, what we did with you know five kids and counting now is like the approach we take is well, a lot of parents ask rightfully so well when do I talk to my kids about sex? And our approach has been, and I remember it was very awkward for for you the first time is, well, when they ask about it, (laughs) because if, if there's, if a kid's, or when it comes up in a sermon or when it comes up in a sermon or when your preacher starts talking
1: about microwaves and says, kids, go (laughs) ask your parents.
3: (laughs) I can honestly say I have no memory ever being in a service Uh, where the pastor preached on sex. Well, now there you go. Exegetical preaching, preaching, man. Right
1: well, you you Lexio continually—you can't skip it. So, well, and
0: as far as com- community goes, since we're spending the evening together, I'll send my kids to you. My kids talk right
1: over there. Go yeah. talk to him. <laughs> That brings up an interesting question. Okay, so here at the Church of Sunsites we have family-integrated ministry. Amen. We're working on doing that on purpose, which means Mm -hmm. kids are in the auditorium with their parents because we want parents to raise their children. We don't want them to be raised by a youth pastor or a public school teacher Mm -hmm. or whatever. We want children to be raised by their parents. Um, I wasn't trying to make a statement against public schools. It's just what we think. Okay, <laughs> we'll <be fine> <laughs> we'll I, I love the teachers who invest in children. Yeah. I absolutely love them. I think they work hard. And I, I just think, that, I think the whole the state
3: regulation. Let's better. bring them into the church and of them help educate. Yeah, them. <laughs> we might be able to pay them better. Um,
1: yes. <laughs> so,
3: uh, yeah. Actually,
1: yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Where was I even at, y'all? Yeah, way up. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so, Okay, family integrated ministry. I mean, children are with their parents. Um, why is it okay or even desirable when walking through Scripture for a pastor to be real, even with young children in the room and really talk about what Scripture talks about? And to what degree? Y'all, I'm trying to think about how in the world I'm going to present a Song of Solomon when we get there, Okay. So help as me here, written. as it's written. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, or in the book of Judges, or or Judges. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, <Laird> Delilah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Okay>. <laughs> I knew the song of? was coming. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think the yeah, one <laughs> of the answers could be for that is uh, all 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 scriptures profitable, mm-hmm. and 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 I want to be. Graceful here because you know my my first reaction to to the practice of of pulling kids out of church because of mature content is a little like my my blood gets boiling a little bit. (laughs) It's like wait we're in this passage today, so if you would like to excuse your kids, like whoa whoa whoa, like I I totally defer to like like. I am I'm the, the father of my kids you know and I, I make the decisions for my kids but if I'm making the decision that the, the the Bible is too mature content for my kids I need correction okay don't go to my kids and say you know get your kids back in here and try to my authority but I I need to be dealt with in a graceful way if, if I'm if I'm saying biblical content is too mature content for my children, um, you'll never, and, and this is where, like, I'm also open for reproof on on this this position. Um, but you'll, for, from today, I could say very confidently, you'll never see me withdraw any of my children from service because I think the content is too mature. Whether it's, whether it's, you know, like, you know, David murdering the husband of a wife he took and slept with because he liked how she looked naked and all this, like, oh my gosh, my kids are only three; they can't hear that. It's God's mm. living and breathing and, and upbuilding word. It's the truth. Like like we need to see and hear what He has for our edification and our children's edification. Like, what what has what has
1: any child ever gained from being sheltered from the dark realities of the world right. for any period of time? They don't benefit from that. Right. And there's just no benefit there. Uh, and if and if God is speaking, we want our children to hear what God is saying. Mm-hmm. I say the world is in the habit of sheltering their children as long as possible and keeping mm-hmm. them immature. I say let Christian children be the most mature children there are. Well, and yeah.
2: listen, would you rather have a, a conversation with your child about sex or about death or something because they heard it in Scripture? Yeah. Or because Sometimes somebody at school or somebody outside of the church was telling them about something? Right, and I mean, so, which yeah. would you rather? Which conversation would you rather
1: have? Well, E was going around the house pretending to have a sword, <clears throat> saying, "Gotta kill these bad guys." Mm. All right, so that what does that do? He, he picked that up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, no telling where. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 could be you guys. You <laughs> <laughs> could, could have been something you saw on TV. Could have, been a
3: video,
1: could have been a Lego video game. You know, yeah. take out bad guys in Lego video games too. Yeah. It's like, you can pick that up anywhere. So we have a conversation about killing and death, a very real and raw conversation with my toddler. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, okay, I understand. Um, you, you raise up children who are, who are immature, blocked from the mature content of the world, like never, never exposed to it. That's when you get people who don't know how to process emotions people who suffer some hardship in school and then go shoot the place up. Like this is where the problem is. It's in the family. It's in a failure to raise our children Mm -hmm. um, barring, you know, psychopathy, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but that Elijah walked out, we were in Georgia. Elijah walked out the front door and there was a dead bird there. He goes, dad, why isn't that bird moving? Well, we had a conversation right there next to the corpse, (laughs) a conversation about death. Like son, this is death. This is a real thing. He said, that's sad. I said, yes, it is. And I shared the gospel with my, with my son at that Mm -hmm. point. How old is he? He was like, it was three at that point Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that long ago then. Mm -hmm. So we we had a conversation about that. And I said, would you like to help me take care of this bird? He said, yeah. So together we moved it to the, to the trash can, you know, and and I got to share the gospel with him. Like there's a reason death exists like this.
3: Mm -hmm. And
1: uh, like, you don't, Shelter your children too much. No, there might be some things to shelter them yeah. from at some points in time, but don't shelter them too much. They'll be immature, they won't know how to process emotions. And that's how we get the the generation that we have right now, which I'm yeah. very disappointed in. Right.
2: So well, and with that, you know, you teach them discernment too. Like you don't shelter them away, but you also teach them, hey, you probably shouldn't look at this stuff. It's out there,
3: <laughs> but yeah,
2: teaching them discernment as well.
3: It's also why homeschoolers, homeschoolers typically get a bad rap for being sheltered, because the prior generation is <laughs> yeah, guilty of yeah, that. Did. <laughs> they did that a lot, yeah. But, but again, if, if 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 you just you know allow your mind to be transformed mm-hmm. and conformed to Christ, you know, the, and, and let our thinking be changed into how it should be, we wouldn't we wouldn't live that way. And it, it's perplexing that an entire generation did that. But it's also encouraging to know one generation we we swoop right back in, and, and we have mature and Bible-believing children mm-hmm. that aren't going off and, and being woke, and you know like right abandoning the church and all this stuff. Yeah, and and you have now a revival of homeschooling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, which is which
1: is great to see. Uh, it's great to see parents interested in raising their own children again. Before they would have said they're raising their own children, but are you really raising your children if they spend eight Eight. to ten hours a day under the tutelage of someone else and they're coming, spending the night at your house and then going back, Mm -hmm. right? Spending the weekends with you. You're a part time parent at that point. Um, It's important for children to be around parents and for parents to bear the responsibility of raising their children in the nurture. And admonition of the Lord, not forgetting either one of those things, bringing them to maturity, bringing them to adulthood. Um, and honestly, y'all, um, if we are doing this thing biblically and partnering with other homeschooling parents or, you know, whatever we do and being sure we raise mature children in the faith, they're going to be way more intelligent than mm-hmm. people being raised in worldly schools, which is, which is the way it's going to be. Plus, I'm gonna have a doctorate, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll send
0: our kids over
1: there. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have you homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> is that is
3: that is that okay? Is it, is it <laughs> uh, oh man, as long as it's for a smaller portion of yeah,
1: time. I it. just I just hate that the world wages such a war against homeschooling. Right, right?
3: because well, it's so beneficial. Because they know well, yeah, what they it, it t- produces. We're
0: away. Well, mm-hmm. it, it
3: produces world changers, bro. I'm yeah, it, like, right. Yeah. And that's why the world hates it when you when you have. Like you've seen regimes try to take over populations with this. The this first approach. thing they do is school. It, you take yeah. the kids a, because if you get yeah. the kids, you get an entire generation of people. Yeah. And and even the secular, like like dominating, you know, leaders of of, of different. Um, I mean, I would even argue present present leadership in certain circumstances. They realize that we need to get those kids. We need to, we need to educate mm-hmm. them. We see even in our Indo- climate indoctrinate. in our country indoctrinate might be a better term it, yeah, the, yeah the indoctrination <laughs> yeah. of children yeah they, they they want them they know it's the way to get them mm-hmm. and and if homeschooling spreads which amen like when when all the atrocities of of the public education system are being exposed um, today like you said people are flocking to private schools and, and homeschooling so christian schools and all these other options because not that something's changed. It's being exposed. exposed. It's, it's been the same. Like, yeah. like the, the, the public institution has been the same. They, they want to indoctrinate, and that's the purpose of education. Here's, they knew it before too many people
1: in the church knew here's it. Here's how you measure whether or not your the school that your children go to is a public school. Yeah. Is it funded by the public? Is it run by the public, those people in your society <clears throat> Are the programs developed by your own society, the public, uh, and are uh, the worldview being taught in that school? Is it the worldview present in your community, the public worldview there in your community? If not, on any of those points, the school your children go to is not a public school. If the state is handing the school the worldview, if the state is handing the school the curriculum, if the state is handing the school how it should do lunch, if the state mm-hmm. is handing the school anything if the state is funding school that is a state school not a public school right. and my friends we have the new imperial cult on our hands <laughs> i think that's the
0: majority of the
1: schools now, right? I, I think so yeah and and again like i have to clarify i love public school teachers mm-hmm. the teachers are awesome um but the teachers do not have the freedom to teach they do not have the freedom to to teach worldview which is the basis of any education is worldview. Mm-hmm. They have to teach the worldview of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, every school is religious. You can't separate religion out from it. Any right. attempt to try is just introducing a new state religion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's that's the angst I have about public schools. A public school done right is more like a homeschooling co-op. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I was off topic.
3: <laughs> was it though? Was it though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean one of one of the things you talked about was uh that we propagate his image through reproduction. Uh yeah, so there it is. It's it's there somewhere. I <laughs> can fish for that.
1: <laughs> With a hook, not a net, because if you use a net you'll catch everything. <laughs> Or a spear might be better because then you can see your target. So, all right, never mind. What, what else have I got? We got a few minutes left here.
3: I feel like I've been talking too much.
1: Why don't we submit to the ladies?
3: <laughs> well,
0: I guess I mean just some of the thoughts that I had that I didn't get out was when you say what is like beneficial for your kids being in in church and learning from it. I feel like. Um, if you shelter your kids from I feel also like at, at at each age, each kid is going to pull you could teach the same sermon to and
1: they'll get something different.
0: They're gonna get something different. Yeah. So my my four-year-old is gonna you know, he's he's gonna hear you say like <laughs> first Samuel and was it so peeing in the in the cave. That's when he <laughs> <hooked up. laughs> what he looked up. And looked at me, you know, where where Andrew picked something else up about like he killed or you know whatever he you know they pick up on different things according to their return. It takes longer to make like, a cake
1: in the oven than the microwave.
0: Are we back to this? like the microwave oven thing? Our minds have never
3: gotten off of it, dear. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> you know, people would have to watch the sermon to understand the microwave oven. So I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they do.
1: No, it's it's really funny because when I say that my immediate thought was, did I really just say that?
2: Yes, you (laughs) did. It was not in my notes. Yeah, You should have seen, I don't remember who it was, but they were like, everybody looks at Katie. Make it
0: stop. Uh,
3: That's funny. (laughs) And then we get to Blacktop. I'm talking
1: about being open books. It's about as open book as you get. Yeah.
0: I do think that kids, the the parents that shelter their kids, even Christian ones, um, it shows. I just was thinking of a little girl that we used to know who came over one time and somehow, do you remember this? Somehow sin came up and we were just like, it wasn't, we were, nothing was happening, but we were just talking about sin and, and Ken made some comment about we've all sinned. And she said, no, I haven't. And then she was probably what at this time, eight or nine? These are church going family, like a church going family. And no, no. And Ken's like, You've never lied? No, I have. You've never told There You, go. There you, you go. know, and, and <laughs> so, so she got so upset that she didn't want to say she sinned that she started crying. And I was Blew like, up. You know, but I'm
3: like, Oh crap, what uh, did I do?
0: <laughs> you can be too sheltered. Like, you can be, you don't want to tell your little baby that you're a sinner, man. We've had kids all the time. That's such an
3: injustice. Born in sin, grown up to to tell
1: children they're not sinners. JC Ryle in his book is like, "All children are the same, little sinners." Yes.
3: (laughs) And it's it's good and right right to
1: tell them.
0: I want them to understand sin so early that we can get the gospel into them and they'll understand it. You know, if you're if you're ten years old and you think you've never sinned, Mm -hmm. like the thing
1: is, you're so sheltered, you're going to step out anywhere. And you're going to be overwhelmed and lost. You, know, mm-hmm. you have to be mature before exiting your parents' house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like being exposed to everything the world is going to expose you to before you leave your parents' house. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Well, that, and then if you go to a secular college, you have professors that will challenge your faith at every point. And if you don't have that foundation or you didn't grow up, Learning about that, you're going to be like, okay, what, what do I do now? Like, what do I, what do That's I why do we take here? a
1: classical approach to our child's education. Mm-hmm. Teach them philosophy mm-hmm. and science. Like, We're going to teach them stuff in the home, but we're going to do better than the schools, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, you got, you got to teach them that stuff. And if, if they're never challenged while they're in the home... They won't know how to be challenged outside of the home. It's good to be challenged,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you got to know not just you can't just know just knowing catechisms isn't enough. You have, mm-hmm. you actually have to know how to think, how to reason. Mm-hmm. and We've got to teach our children how to reason, something the public school does not do, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Okay. And that goes back to the, the sexuality too. Like You have to teach them what that looks like, um, model a, a good Example today. Oh, because
1: if the state teaches your children sexuality, my goodness. You're,
2: yeah, it's be Well,
1: nice. there are so many, so many definitions to sexuality now that mm-hmm. it virtually doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't
3: make any sense. Do you realize how many cases are, are going to increase of like sexual abuse in public schools now? Like with, with like worldview has implications Mm-hmm. And, and, and the depth of the exaltation of the depravity of the type of worldviews being adopted in sexuality today is going to produce just countless cases of abuse and sexual morality in the school system. Like it's already bad, mm-hmm. but now it's going to be like, well, um, you know, who are you? You know, I, d- I identify as this, or, or, or who, who says this age, or um, it's, it's, it wasn't, you know, abuse because it's consensual. Who are you to deprive somebody of, of what they desire? You know, because as we're teaching them, you know, it's like, it's like you're not wrong for your feelings. You are what you are. I was born to desire young, young children or I was born to, to want to force myself onto young women. Like, like what, is your, what is your sin that, that is okay because you were born that way? Um, that's going to going to produce so many problems, uh, deep, destructive problems in the school system. Mm-hmm. And it's going to start just, again, exposing itself for what it is over the next yeah. generation, unfortunately, unfortunately. A lot of victims. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of victims. Mm-hmm. You thought the Me Too movement was bad. Mm-hmm. Just
1: wait. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, y'all got anything else? This has been. We need some encouraging words here. Yeah.
3: On a lighter note, I have one more thought. <laughs> Go for it, man. A- <laughs> I'm such a foodie that Paul really struck a chord with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, yes. So I I know you explained it, you preached on it, but I, I can tell you this one's going to stick with me for the week because I'm going to be. I know there's something here, or there's more here. This isn't like a a read pass. Okay, understand. It's over. Food for the stomach, as the body is for the Lord, like there is, oh, there is oh, oh, oh. such riches there yep. that I, I, I know I haven't begun to grill or smoke. <laughs> <laughs> there there you yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty close, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that, that 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 is that's typical for Paul to come up with such great uh, references there to to to. To, to strike a chord. Yeah, you mentioned something during our revelation study.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Because the food and stomach will, will perish because God will do away with them both. Um, does that mean that there won't be any food in heaven? Does that mean we won't have stomachs in heaven? Mm. And I, I don't mm. think so. All right. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify on this um, because that passing away refers to the, the disintegration of this current body, this body that is in sin. Uh, I believe that the body... There will be a glorified body. And if God created us in the beginning with the stomach, the glorified body, the resurrected body, will probably also have a stomach. Uh, not, not to need food for sustenance. Enjoy it. For enjoyment, to be warmed by the good food that God gives. And of course, we don't we don't actually know whether or not we'll need we'll need the sustenance of food in the resurrection either. Interesting. We know we won't go without.
3: So there's that. Well, there's no. Likely going to be work, so we'll need to eat. And now will
0: there be meat, though? Because won't that be killing?
3: But maybe there will be a new kind of meat. Uh, I, Isaiah it grows
0: on trees. I, I, again,
3: <laughs> that's Isaiah. The fruit in the garden. A
0: bacon tree. A bacon
1: tree. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah.
0: I like where this conversation is going. <laughs> I just
1: know in Isaiah, when he's talking about the resurrection, there's the fatted calf yeah. on the table. So, meat. <laughs> and what does meat go in? And up in. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you so much for joining us this episode of the Black Top Pulpit and Secret Women Stuff <laughs> Crossover. <laughs> Check out the church at sunsites.com. Check out the resources we have that are available for you. Please consider donating so we can continue the work we do in our community and uh, be sure to subscribe both to blacktop pulpit and to secret women stuff and perhaps we will talk so much next time about ovens and microwaves thank you for joining us we'll catch you next time
0: you realize